Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Tell me why, tell me why Did I not think of this before? I had no clue this was an issue Now my ideas are fully formed I don't need my own opinion Now that you've expressed yours Thanks to all Yes, today a show about bumper stickers. It's hard to do a show about bumper stickers on the radio because there's something implicitly visual about the bumper sticker. Where it's placed, how it's placed, how it looks. I mean, it is an ocular experience. But we're going to do that anyway. We're going to do that radio show because we routinely do things that are not good ideas for radio shows. It's such a winning formula. Um, So uh, today we're going to talk about the philosophy of bumper stickers, the prevalence of bumper stickers, whether there's any kind of categorical umbrella under under which all uh, bumper stickers fit. We will talk specifically near the end about political or campaign bumper stickers. Um, uh, As you can tell, we are prepared to be comprehensive about this. We are nothing if not that. Uh, So joining us uh, for the first two segments, Henry Hoke, a writer and author of the memoir Sticker, among other books. Uh, Jack Bowen is a philosophy teacher and author of If You Can Read This, the philosophy of bumper stickers, among other books. Uh, all right. So, um, Henry Hoke, maybe you can kind of get us going. Is there a way? I mean, bumper stickers do so many different things. They they tell what you know, what uh, vacation land you just were in, or what candidate you support, or how the driver of the car might feel about the driving of the car behind them, or they could be just sort of generally provocative. I used to see occasionally a bumper sticker that says. You're ugly and your mom addresses you funny. And, you know, and it's hard to even understand why that person would want to put that bumper sticker on unless he or she takes delight in being rear-ended. But um, so th- <laughs> there's so many different things, Henry. Are they in any sense all one thing? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of, uh, of what I think about is just our performance of identity in a very committed way, right, <laughs> to <laughs> adhese it to your car and carry it with you throughout the world. Um, man, if I saw that one about, you know, you're ugly, your mom addresses you funny, I think it would just destroy my soul entirely because I would take it very seriously. <laughs> but I do think, yeah, it's so much about performance of identity. Um, that's really what hinged around my book um, was that like, I thought about it all the many ways I've attempted to do that through stickers. <laughs> well, you know, there's, it's sort of, one of the questions we'll be exploring all the way through here, I think, is whether or not that's um, something that's kind of rooted in a specific moment. I mean, it seems like there's so many other ways to perform your identity right now. You could tweet, you're ugly and your mom addresses you funny, and more, more people would see it, and there would be less apt, uh, less uh, reason to, to fear physical harm coming to you, right? Yeah, and I guess that's what I really connect with these days with bumper stickers is they feel so obsolete. 
<laughs> and when I see them, I think, okay, well, that was a that was a major choice because that person, right? They could have tweeted, they could have made it something in some kind of profile on some kind of uh, you know social media site, but but instead, no, they they were like, let's take this out into the physical realm, let's take this into the world, and I think that's just such a bolder statement now. And I think, as you say, like that that does make it like almost more confrontational and more explicit and strange to me. Um, and so, so much of my book is about nostalgia um, and how we connect to sort of our hometowns because, you know, my hometown is Charlottesville, Virginia, and um, was is very recently, you know, um, on people's minds and in the news because of tragedy and white supremacy. Um, but I think that uh, in working through that, I was thinking about, yeah, like back then bumper stickers were a big part of, of town, of towns, of, of, of how people performed things. And now it really seems like I don't know. I, I don't know many people that, I mean, I don't know if people that drive cars that live in New York, but, um, but those who do, I don't know who would put a certain kind of bumper sticker, except for maybe a short-term political one. Um, well, maybe it's a good moment to turn to our philosopher, Jack Bowen, a philosophy yeah. teacher and the author of you can read, If You Can Read This, The Philosophy of Bumper Stickers, among other books. So, Jack, there is a way in which a bumper sticker it kind of puts skin in your game in a way that maybe other sorts of declarations wouldn't, right? It's on your car. Somebody could kind of do some road rage stuff with you or key your car when you're not around. I mean, you are sort of risking something uh, with a bumper sticker, unless it's, you know, Virginia is for lovers or something like that. Right. Well, I mean, I can almost pick up where, where Henry left off there. And you're, you're, you're getting off scot-free in a sense. Like on Twitter, if I'm going to go tweet about abortion and how great or terrible it is whatever my position i'm going to hear from people people are going to scream back at me but but here i am at a, at a red light and i've got my abortion sticker my political sticker what have you and i'm screaming at the person behind me and there's nothing they can do about it i mean it, it's this it's this odd moment where i the bumper sticker owner gets to be emotional they get to scream their pithy eight word statement about a very emotional topic often the case and then drive off and you do not get to tweet back and I think that's there's some value for people in that part of it. Although there are ways in which, and I think you've documented this, uh, Jack, ways in which bumper stickers have conversations uh, with other bumper stickers. I mean, for example, around here there was, uh, you know, and I think all, all over the place, there was a period of time where parents were putting these kind of um, these exhibitionistic bumper stickers on saying my kid my child was student at the month at x school or my my kids on the honor roll or something and and then people would have bumper stickers saying my kid beat up your honor student um and there's ways in which the bumper stickers do become a sort of protracted conversation not in the moment but on the road right and i think that's one of the really neat things and there are a lot of those um, conversations happening whether it's the you know the christian fish and then they have the the dinosaur is eating the fish and then there are all these different versions of that or the guns don't kill people i think is the the world record where you know it's, it's guns don't kill people no um, bullets do no i'm pretty sure guns people guns kill people no drivers with cell phones kill people so you, you actually at that point you are having a conversation that that part of the bumper sticker culture i think is really neat <laughs> All right, so we're, yeah. getting, we're getting a little hiss there on on uh, Jack's end. We're going to work on that. Uh, and Henry, maybe uh, you and I can uh, have a little conversation about this too. It does seem as though we're in a world right now that's more fraught, right? Anything could be provocative. Yeah. I think it was you who gave the uh, example of your own initials, uh, HH, uh, maybe being something you don't want to put on a car anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Really thinking about things that would seem innocuous at another point um, in time, um, 
and seeing HH and associating it with, with, you know, it being like a code for white supremacy. And I think that, you know, I used to be really intrigued by, um, because it's Heil Hitler, right? That mm. was like, that's like another alt-right code, an 8-8, eight, eight, those kind of things. And so it was really like, I used to enjoy mystery bumper stickers, right? I love Jack talking about like these evolving conversational forms of a bumper sticker. But once where I was like, what do those letters stand for? What does that mean? You know, as a kid, I would like want to investigate. And now I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> like, I don't want to find out. Um, and uh, and seeing the, yeah, the HH really evolved. It used to, it stood for Hilton Head. It was like a vacation destination. And then at some point, you know, I started to think, okay, well, is that person into this vacation destination or am I seeing more because of obviously these white supremacists that descended on, on my hometown. Um, I think there's something really interesting about, um, about really how um, the performance uh, has a lot to do with power. I was thinking about like the idea of like what Jack said, you can't do anything about it. Like, because right, to, to, to instigate something in real life, <laughs> to get out of your car, to rear end, to honk, these things are incredibly like uh, confrontational. And so someone who wants to, you know, flaunt something or, or, or goad you with something controversial or, or, or hurtful often thinks, okay, well, this person won't step to me, or I hope they do. <laughs> or like, <laughs> and, and then that really feels potent right now. I see bumper stickers. I'm like, okay, well, this is full of horrible things, this car I'm behind, but what am I going to do about it? And part of those things might say, as, as Jack mentioned, like, you know, I have a gun. It's like something that a lot of these bumper stickers <laughs> perform. So it really becomes like a, a very intense experience, I think, these days. It yeah. also gave me kind of a secret handshake, too. Um, yeah. In fact, we uh, we had a, an instance here in Connecticut where one of our state senators had a, a sticker. I think it was more, I don't think it was exactly a bumper sticker. And we'll get into sort of the, the platonic question of what is and is not a bumper sticker. But it might have been one of those smaller <laughs> stickers that sticks to the back window or something. But it was oh, yeah. it was some kind of abbreviation for QAnon. It's, it's the abbreviation that's where we go one, we go all, I think is what it means. This guy's a right. state senator. He's got a QAnon bumper mm-hmm. sticker. And of course, because in fact, bumper stickers don't exist in uh, an automotive vacuum anymore. Somebody took a picture of it and put it up on Twitter and said, how come this guy's got a QAnon sticker. So it, it can be, I mean, in a way, f- even the fish thing, you know, is it goes back to a secret handshake that was supposedly a code for Christians at a time that when they were persecuted um, mm-hmm. it, and, and it is a Greek abbreviation for uh, Jesus Christ, son of God. So, you know, I mean, so Jack, one thing I want to talk a little bit about is its presence on the bumper. Um, there's a way in which there's a lot of psychological research about the idea that for a lot of drivers, a car is, ex- is an extension of their body. Um, you know, that the, the, it's a carapace. It's just this, you know, this shell that they have that they're driving around. So I'm wondering if that has something to do with the, the idea of putting a sticker on that. Maybe it's a little bit like a tattoo. Oh, I think it absolutely does. I mean, there are the the political stickers where you're just putting your candidate's name or maybe a sports team affiliation where, you know, it's a little bit of an in-group, out-group. This is, this is my in-group, whether it's religion or sports or politics. But it also is, there's that, that emotional and very often, I mean, a lot of these bumper stickers are rich with ethical statements. I mean, the one listening to Henry talk, someone very near and dear to me back when my book came out about 10 years ago, they printed up thousands of a, of a bu- particular bumper sticker that said um, pro-choice before conception, pro-life after. It's actually a pretty good bumper sticker, whether or not you agree with the message. So they slapped that on their car and they came home that night and said, wow, everyone on the roads are so aggressive today. It must be something in the air. And I said, <laughs> when, 
when did you put that sticker on your car? And she said, this morning. And, and a lot of people were giving me the bird, she called it. I said, yeah, I think that's probably what's going on. And then she also started to notice people driving by and, and giving some big thumbs ups. So there you're having, you're, you are getting that feedback. It's not the, the Twitter sort of feedback. It's, you know, one finger or one thumb <laughs> aimed at the driver because of what's being screamed at them. Right. So um, there's so much to say. By the way, one of the ones that I like that sort of combines two concepts, uh, there's one that says, do you follow Jesus this closely? Um, <laughs> which sort of gets into the tailgating and the faith stuff uh, all at once. But, but Jack, there is, and we should say that you're probably at a point where it's going to be a rare day for you to go out and drive around for an hour and see a bumper sticker you haven't already seen before. I know at one point uh, working on the book, you had like a Google Doc or something, 2,200 different bumper stickers. Um, but, I mean, w- one thing that bumper stickers can do is express whimsy. Uh, I mean, some bumper stickers are just there because they're funny, right? You've got a few of those that you like. I, I like the one about how it's hard to fit everything onto. Say that one. Oh, yeah, that is well, that's one of my favorites because in a fit of procrastination, I'm sure Henry can speak to this. You know what? Here I am writing under deadline. I'm like, what can I do besides write? I know I'll average the length of all these bumper stickers to see what the average length is. And it turns out of the <laughs> the number that I had on that doc, the average length of the bumper sticker, it contains 7.4 words, which is actually a, a, kind of impressive to be able to say something of meaning in eight few words or fewer. So that sort of pithy bumper sticker is, which, which I love because of this is, um, and, and you'll, if you count out loud, it's eight words. If it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, maybe Colin, to answer your point, we, the viewer get to fill it in. If it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, then figure out a way to make it fit because you've got to simplify your message or the other end would be if it doesn't fit in a bumper sticker it's probably so important that you can't say it on a sticker right so there's actually two ways to look at that yeah and i i do i want to go back henry to your idea too of our sort of performing ourselves i mean because that's another part of it i mean there are probably people who will never ever put a bumper sticker on because they're extraordinarily private and they they really are not interested in be in being known better or understood better by random stranger motorists but there is and i I don't know if it's a uniquely american thing i don't think i've ever looked in other countries for bumper stickers when i've been there but uh but there is something about americans right we want to declare something to the world yeah absolutely i and i think yeah and i i I have you know with my you know short travels i have not seen the deluge of bumper stickers that i've seen in in towns and, and and highways in america um I think that it is really like it's a canvas, right? Um, it's a canvas for expression, and like also car culture is something that like is is very like aggressive here, you know, um, and unfortunately very necessary because like public transport is is extremely lacking um, in this country, and there's places where it's just almost impossible to exist without a car. Um, and so I think that like part of it is like you want to be proud of your car. Your car does become part of your identity. You have to spend a great deal of money on your car. And in some, there's some personalities that are right. Like they would never touch it except to polish it, right? And there are some who are like, okay, well, now this is my canvas. This is my another, another part of me, another extension of myself. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout with it. I'm gonna perform with it. I'm gonna express with it. Um, and I think that really becomes, you know, it, it, especially when I was living in LA, it, it made it like, it, it like, it peopled the highway and the roads with personality, you know. Um, outside of just 
you know, what kind of car people drove and how they drove it, you know, and growing up in Charlottesville, especially like there's a lot of cars that were just completely covered in bumper stickers. <laughs> and they were often like, you know, older cars or cars that people were not, not like proud of per se, but they were like, well, I want to give it some personality. Like I want to, I want to do a lot more with my car because I know that the car is not doing much for itself. You know? <laughs> it's not showing off much. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe uh, what, what that car needs is a modification of a consistent bumper sticker trope, uh, which is a bumper sticker that would say, my other car doesn't have any bumper stickers. Um, and and to, your, to your point about, you know, people who would never do anything but shine the car, I can sort of combine two bits of our conversation so far and, and point out that when Kim Kardashian was asked in an interview if she had any tattoos, she said, would you put a bumper sticker on a Bentley? Uh, which is right. actually a pretty, yes. pr- pretty good comeback, actually. But, but to that point, yeah. And, you know, I think Jack, there's a way in which Americans also value expression because, in fact, it's sort of just kind of written into the uh, to the political structure of America. Uh, we should point out that uh, in the one instance that I know of that this even got to the courts, uh, there was a Georgia law that tried to ban bumper stickers that were lewd or offensive. Uh, and this went all the way to the state Supreme Court, I believe, uh, over a bumper sticker that was a slight variation on the phrase stuff happens uh, and the uh, Supreme Court of Georgia upheld the right. So the peace of society is not endangered by the profane or lewd word, which is not directed at a particular audience. So, Jack, maybe this is kind of a, a little bit of, of an American thing, right? We want to say who we want. We are. Sometimes it's ask me about my grandchildren. Uh, sometimes it's like some kind of AA slogan, which I'm like, you know, I was kind of surprised that people put their AA slogan since anonymous is part of the concept on the back of their car but people are trying to say this is who i am yeah absolutely i mean there's even that i don't know it's kind of a cute little trend at least here in northern california where people put the little stick figures of their family and then there's a mom and a dad and a a son and two daughters and a dog and a cat and then now they've got people stick figures beating up the people saying i don't care what stick figures are in your family they've actually got lewd versions of creating family members with stick figures that you know you can imagine what those would be and it is it is this odd um identity stamp of saying you know this is who i am and this is who i'm proud of and it, it's certainly tied in to social media i mean people are saying like here's here are pictures of my family on you know instagram every day and here here's my my spouse who i love and sort of announcing that to everyone and to strangers as a way of sort of inserting ourselves and, and maybe asserting ourselves. And on cars, we're, we're allowed to do it because it's my car and you you have to sit there and look at it. <laughs> yeah, I saw one that had a dinosaur eating the little stick figures. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't I've know. seen zombie families, all kinds of things, like all, right. all kinds of versions of that one, yeah. Right. And I mean, once again, that there's something very performative about that, too, at least the, in the initial wellsprings of it. There's some kind of need that somebody had to say, OK, this is who's in my family. Although there's all kinds of other weird stuff that goes along with this, including the in some areas, the police have discovered this, have discouraged this because they say that if it I don't know, like if the little stick figure, if the dad is in the military and the kid is in a football jersey or something, people will assume that maybe they can burglarize this house because dad's not around and he's stationed in Germany now or something. This seems a little far-fetched oh my to God. me, but, but maybe an example of how paranoid and divided we've become as a society. All right, we're going to grab a little break here. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to have more of Jack and more of Henry on the other side of this.
Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Yeah, actually, I would say after our experiences in Canada and the U.S. with the trucker convoys blowing their horns and stuff, I, I think there should be a temporary moratorium on any bumper sticker that says honk if you love Jesus or are horny or whatever else you might be uh, making people honk about. Uh, let's just take a break from honking as a form of self-expression. One nice thing about bumper stickers is they're quiet. Uh, and so joining us today, uh, Henry Hope uh, is a writer and author of the memoir Sticker, among other books. Uh, Jack Bowen is a philosophy teacher and author of, if you can read this, The Philosophy of Bumper Stickers, among other books. So Henry, there's a way in which, you know, we've been talking about being performative, but there's also a way in which a bumper sticker reassures other people that they are not alone, that there are other like-minded people. In a way, that's one of the purposes of bumper stickers, which uh, political bumper stickers, which we will be talking about in our final segment today. But there's a way in which, yeah, if I don't know if you if you have like a COVID responsibility kind of this is how far apart to stand kind of bumper sticker or something like that. I mean, yes, once again, there's the danger you're going to piss somebody off uh, if the if there's an anti-vaxer or something behind you. But there's also kind of a thing like sort of saying, yeah, I get it, and maybe you get it, and we're not alone. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that, and that does key in a little bit to the idea of, like, power, right? Um, I mean, I guess I, I, you know, I was getting in a lift in, uh, in suburban Alabama the other day, and I saw they had, like, a rainbow flag bumper sticker. And I was just like, cool, like, this is a queer-friendly lift, <laughs> and it's just, like, a nice thing um, to exist, especially, I mean, I guess in, in this culture of, like, you know, lifts and Ubers, and, like, we are just maybe getting into cars with strangers, and that's sometimes a fraught experience. Bumper stickers are pretty bold in that in that economy in that world, um, and I I guess I appreciate making space for people and and, and affirming things um, as opposed to sort of flaunting violence or anything like that. Um, acceptance is obviously something that I appreciate seeing um, out in the world as opposed to just direct like whether it's you know bragging or I don't know um, or just direct violent confrontational statements. You know. 
Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about Lyft and Uber. That's a really interesting point, uh, how many people are, are getting into those cars these days. And the argument, I don't know if Uber and Lyft have policies about this. The argument could be made. I mean, first of all, yeah, it would be very reassuring to get into a car that had a rain, rainbow bumper sticker on it, as opposed to my favorite movie is Saw or something like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, it, but I have not mutually exclusive, but sure. <laughs> true, true. Uh, it's a matter of emphasis, I, I think, more than than anything else. Absolutely. Um, so, and and I mean that also. As we, I was preparing for the show, I was also thinking about this idea. This idea, which turns out, I think, not to be as statistically true as people think that. Um, younger people don't want cars. Millennials, in particular, it was alleged for a long time didn't want to own cars. Would rather get a Zipcar or take a, an Uber. This appears not to be true now. They uh, are starting to buy cars, kind of the way everybody else does. But, but Jack, it does raise a point, which is what's what's the primal relationship? For a long time in America, the car was symbolic of so much. If you looked at the advertising, it was just so clear. Your car was your identity. It was symbolic of freedom. Uh, if you listen to the music music of Bruce Springsteen or the Beach Boys, the idea of, once again, the car being a source of adventure, uh, being kind of who you really were, um, you know, and I feel like that is fading a little bit. I mean, I I see more stickers on laptops these days, and I wonder if that's because the laptop is kind of replacing the car. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think I do think that social media has filled this void, whether it's TikTok or Twitter or Instagram, where you're getting that message out or you're on, on Facebook. And also, yeah, I mean, my students, their their laptops are covered with stickers, very often like actual bumper stickers. And I also think, I mean, this this is more like the work of a sociologist. But if you look at cars now, they're, they they almost don't have bumpers on them, right? It's just the, the bumper area is just an extension of the car as opposed to those like bumper car style bumpers where you're admitting that I'm going to be you know driving around and bumping into people and so you're not going to you're not going to put a sticker on the actual car part and so without without the bumper there and with all these other options I think that's why we see people turning to that and maybe not as many bumper stickers as we'd seen you know 10 or 20 years ago yeah I was sort of informally polling people on Facebook and one guy Kurt wrote I could put stickers of the political, civic, educational, and professional organizations that I have been a part of, but I fear those organizations would be judged harshly based on my predilection for driving like a jerk at times. Um, So so there is a way in which you are sort of, you're making kind of a commitment to represent uh, something when you do that. But Henry, I'm also thinking about the fact, particularly given the nature of your book and it being kind of a a sticker memoir, um, you know, I mean, the other thing that's really stickers have been these kind of magnetic things which you can take on and take off and and I don't think it's a stretch to say this is a suggestion that our our loyalties are increasingly fungible you know that you know yeah we'll be big fans of X you know for the next few weeks and then we'll just take it off right yeah I, I think that's really important I think about that a lot um, about this performativity being both fleeting and feeling like action right now um, and I think you know the commitment of a bumper sticker just feels different I mean um, I think that the, the commitment of like changing your profile picture to, you know, currently a lot of Ukrainian flags, a lot of things that show support um, and, you know, BLM steadfastly, you know, hopefully in, in a lot of ways. But I think that um, there is there's a sense that like taking doing these things is, an, is just an action. And then like you shift to the next action, you shift to the next subject. And for I think a lot of people, there's a sense of like that's that, that's enough maybe right like the, that performativity is enough and it maybe fills in for action i guess i think about in general like car culture and the idea of like um 
you know, millennials not buying cars. I, I guess I think that like, I hope that we rely less and less on cars. I mean, as we, as we progress, I, I feel funny with like, you know, climate change messages on cars. It's very complicated, right? Um, it's just a, it's just an incredibly strange thing to, to witness, but we're witnessing it, you know? Um, and you know, it's like NFTs that are, that are advertising like sustainability. Like there's just so many things that, that, um, that are incongruous, um, with that we do have to start shifting larger systems um, and these small statements on these things that are part of this massive machine um, that's killing the world is just, it, it's, it's a wild thing to, to witness and to, to, to sort of be a part of. And it, and it can't help but be, um, you know, really uh, oxymoronic, I think. Well, actually, that leads us, uh, Jack, uh, rather neatly, uh, in, uh, the oxymoronic part, uh, into the Colorado State University study that, that you cite about bumper stickers. Tell our audience about that. Yeah, that, that actually came out the year before I was writing, starting to write this book um, in 2009. And on, on the one hand, this, the findings aren't that surprising, right? They, they found that um, people with bumper stickers were considerably more likely to exhibit road rage, like signs of road rage, whether it's aggressive ho um, horn honking or hand gestures of certain types. But, but the really interesting thing was it had nothing to do with the style or type of message. So both the person with the bumper sticker, you know, my kid beat up your honor student mm -hmm. and the person with the bumper sticker practiced random acts of kindness. It was, it was the fact that they were the sort of person that was going to go to the trouble of buying a sticker, cleaning the bumper, placing the sticker, and sort of you know shouting out to the world their ideas. If you have a bumper sticker, you're considerably more likely to exhibit road rage, and that 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 goes for the practice random acts of kindness bumper sticker owners, <laughs> and presumably coexist. Uh, coexist, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, coexist with the with this jerk face. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But but I mean, Jack, if we could sort of tease that out a little bit, I mean, I get think the suggestion is if you are that kind of person for whom the car is this declarative space, for whom the car is an extension of identity, uh, probably you're going to do stuff with your car. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're that kind of person, you've got bumper stickers and that's why you're doing it, you're going to do stuff with your car that also reflects your identity or your feelings at the moment. You might not be reined in as much by whatever the traffic laws are or the societal conventions preventing road rage would be. You and your car are kind of a, a law unto themselves. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it's not a surprising finding. I, you know, it's sort of self-selecting. Like students who elect to take my philosophy course are chomping at the bit to discuss really big ideas. They're not sitting there quietly and just you know listening to me lecture. Someone who's got a bumper sticker has stepped into that realm. <laughs> There's someone who wants to be heard. They they want you practicing random, random uh, sorry, random acts of kindness, and they're gonna they're gonna let you know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, you know, Henry, we talked a little bit about the idea. I, I do think that one of the things that bumper stickers do, and it's right there in the title of Jack's book, is comment on people's driving or what we wish uh, another person's driving might be a little bit more like. Uh, and there are an awful lot of, if you can read this, um, you know, you're too following too close, and then variations on that. And I think somebody sent me one that was a red bumper sticker that says, "If this looks blue to you, you're driving too fast." Um, but but you had one uh, from your own life or from a, the father of a friend, maybe that, that yes. contained a unique threat. Why don't you mention that one? Yeah. So and this was and I was thinking about how things were formative. You know, like bumper stickers. Like you might see the S word, for, you know, curse word for the first time because of bumper stickers when you're a kid. But this one was. Um, my dad's, this is my, sorry, my friend's dad, um, his was uh, tailgate me and I'll flick a booger on your windshield. 
and it was like it was great for us kids you know like if you tailgate me off like a booger in your windshield because a it said booger but b we were just like okay whoa this is like a really interactive space that we're in like we're not just like on the road in our bubble um like this person's ready to start something you know <laughs> yeah and i mean I, I i i find myself wondering as i was thinking about all that and preparing for the show whether anybody has ever been dissuaded from tailgating by any of these kinds of bump st- bumper stickers. I feel like the kind of people who tailgate you, uh, first of all, they're probably not even able to read. They're so supercharged with rage. But um, but I just I feel like they're, they're, nobody's ever thought, you know what, maybe I should just tap the brakes a little bit, give this guy a little bit more space ahead of me. I don't think any bumper sticker sort of gets to the person uh, in that particular way. Um, so, Jack, we should just talk a little bit, uh, since we're uh, since we're on the subject of boogers, we should also talk about just bumper stickers that do amuse us. Uh, and, and you've got a few of them, a few favorite ones that are just kind of funny, uh, either that are funny or, or profound or a little bit of each. Do you want to mention one or two of your favorites? Well, I will say one that maybe is both is what if the hokey pokey is what it's all about? And again, that's a little generational and it is meant to be silly, but I actually have thrown this out at a dinner party when I was starting to write the book and I, I threw it out there and, and all of a sudden people were actually having the discussion that, you know, as a philosopher, I would like people to be having at dinner parties all the time, but I'm not allowed to bring up things like what is the meaning of life and what is the purpose of life? But all of a sudden people are saying, yeah, wait a minute, like, can't someone's hokey pokey just be like the real meaning of life? Like, that's what life is about, finding your hokey pokey and doing it. So I think like there's... (laughs) That's one of the the beauties of bumper stickers is there there certainly is a sense of playfulness built into them um, that also allows you to get at really big picture things. Yeah, I liked one of the ones on your list. First of all, uh, I feel like the Hokey Pokey book, you, you need to write that now. I mean, I mean, I hadn't ever really. I mean, first of all, I'm always up for a hokey pokey joke, always. Um, although I feel as though uh, you're right. The audience for them is dying off. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to have to transition them to Macarena's or something like that somehow. But um, and even that audience is probably dying off at this point. Um, but but yeah, I mean, even, you know, even the kind of thing that sort of makes you think. I mean, Jack, you've got one that says if ignorance is bliss then why aren't more people happy? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I mean, that's a great entree into, I mean, you, could, you can almost use that, and I have, to teach Plato's allegory of the cave. And, and is ignorance bliss? It actually might be, but maybe we don't want bliss. It turns out we want something more than bliss. Uh, and, and so it, I use that to get into Plato's cave in my own class. So it, again, it's, it's playful, but it's got something really deep couched in it in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ah. Ten, took him ten words to do it. Yeah, um, and we'll do one more, and that is, and this is, like, I, I don't think I've ever put a bumper sticker on my car. I could be wrong about that, but, um, but I, I would put this bumper sticker on the one that says, "This is not a bumper sticker." Um, I, I, the problem with that, Jack, is how many people are going to get the Magritte reference? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just love that because I love Magritte, and it forces you to, you know, reflect on, you know, the role of language, and to like, wait, who gets to say, like. Who gets to say what art is or what art isn't? Who gets to say what a bumper sticker is? Is that a matter of fact or is there something deeper? And and in this case, there's not. Like there's just blatant contradiction going on. Right. So you yeah. know, Henry, we talked about the the stick figures, but we didn't talk about, and I don't see them as much anymore. The stickers that used to say "Baby on board," and I never mm-hmm. quite understood "Baby on board." I mean, like, don't hit my car the way you ordinarily would because there's a baby in here or my genitalia work fine or what are they trying to say to us? Mm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I feel like I, I saw one that I really liked that was some, somewhat surreal, but now I can't remember what it was. Um, but I, I thought about that with the, the Magritte reference one, but like, I love anything that adds surrealism, but that, I don't know. That's another one of those, like, I mean, I, I, I understand the idea, like, like it's like student driver on board. It's like, so someone's going to drive pretty poorly. That one's like, maybe you should drive more cautiously. Like it's sort of imposing something on the, on fellow drivers to think, okay, well, there's a small child. So yeah, maybe I won't tailgate them. Maybe I won't. And as you said, the true, the true, uh, you know, destructive drivers are not reading bumper stickers <laughs> to make sure that everybody's going to be fine around them. Um, so, you know, it's another one of those things about performing like care, maybe, I guess I think about that, you know, I think there's partially, I think more so than like the, you know, heteronormative, like lineup of your family, you know, or whatever, um, in stick figures, I think more about like, that maybe like, it's just saying like, okay, let's, let's show care for each other when there's maybe an even more vulnerable person involved here. Um, and that's interesting to me. And I think that is something that, that I, I don't know if I, I think I appreciate um, just drawing our attention to care in a space like that's so wildly dangerous and destructive of driving, like, you know, I mean, throughout all of the risk we've been taking in, in this pandemic, like it's still like, there's so many articles in the New York Times. It's like, it's actually more dangerous to get in your car to drive to the store than it would ever be to be exposed to COVID, you know? And I keep thinking that like we're in these machines. And so something like that does make me think like, okay, yeah, like here's a moment where we're like, okay, there's humans in a speeding metal structure right now. You know, there's ch children, there's a generation, you know, these kind of things. I don't know. I appreciate it in the same level. I appreciate this. The surrealism is that it makes me think for a moment. It makes me like step outside of myself and my, you know, bubble and my moment. Um, and I think that's powerful. That yeah. is that is very nicely put, too. We're going to stop there. Henry Hoke is a writer and author of the memoir Sticker, among other books. Jack Bowen is a philosophy teacher and author of If You Can Read This, The Philosophy of Bumper Stickers, among other books. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk to a specialist in political memorabilia about the political bumper sticker. All right, we're back. I want to just quickly mention, if you're listening uh, to the broadcast on Wednesday or listening to this on a podcast on Wednesday, our Thursday show is going to be our annual March Madness uh, show where we, we do discuss the, the basketball tournaments, but for the most part, not with anybody who knows anything about basketball. Uh, and so Julia Bastel will be back every year. She comes up with... Uh, a delightfully crackpot way of filling out your brackets. Bill Curry will be with us. He kind of thinks he knows something about basketball. And we'll have at least one president of an obscure college. I think we're trying to get Long, Longwood College in Virginia. Uh, see if the president will come on. His team is in the draw this year. All right. So time to thank uh, Kat Pastor, uh, and who's our technical producer, and senior producer Lily Tyson, uh, who's also the producer of this particular episode. Uh, we are going to close uh, with the subject of political bumper stickers. Uh, and and they have been around. I, I don't. We didn't even really say this. 
uh, at the beginning. But so uh, cars started having bumpers, I think, around 1927. I think bumper stickers took another 20 years to happen. But one of the first things that got done with them, I believe, once they did happen, uh, was the political bumper sticker. Here to tell us more, Claire Jerry, a curator of political history for the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. Welcome to our conversation. It's been a great one so far. I'm really glad to be here. Ah, well, you're going to add to it even more. So, so what do we know about uh, political bumper stickers? I mean, first of all, uh, they are something that for a long time campaigns considered to be pretty important. Important to get the bumper stickers printed up on time, get them in the field, get them in cars, just probably as a way of suggesting, well, you know, lots of people like Ike. Absolutely. And that's, in fact, when the bumper sticker sticker started. Now, there were political attachments on bumpers from the first bumper. They were made of metal or paper and they were tied onto a bumper at that time. But when bumper stickers, as we know them, came into technological being after World War II, the bumper sticker started in politics with that Eisenhower Stevenson campaign in 52. Right. And so, but, and bumper stickers usually, particularly a political bumper sticker, it's probably a mistake to make it too complicated. Like, I like Ike is probably, you know, the ideal level of complexity, although we should probably point out that there was uh, also an I like Ike, but I'm voting for Stevenson bumper sticker. Right. And um, I was thinking about the length that you talked about in your last segment. There was one that says, I like Ike too, but I think Taft would make a better president. Uh, <laughs> long for a bumper sticker. So they are mostly short, um, the candidates' names, um, maybe when um, Spanish language bumper stickers, it was usually Viva Kennedy, Viva Nixon, um, about as short as you could get. So um, we should mention uh, one or two bumper stickers that are, are way too complicated. Uh, the one that jumps out at, jumped out at me uh, from your work uh, is the Goldwater one that is based on the periodic table of elements. Right, where the whole bumper sticker is AUH2O. Now, I don't know if that suggests that people were more um, scientifically literate in 1964, um, or if you just had more time to try to figure it out while you were tailgating the person with that sticker. One that I like um, is the This GM Car is for Ford um, from the Ford Carter election. And now I've got to look and see what brand of car is in front of me at the same time that I'm reading the bumper sticker. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Keep talking. Yeah. Well, one that's complicated for me is one that we have in our collection that says London's Linden's bridge is falling down. <laughs> meant something to people in 1967, 64. What is it? I had to look it up. Um, there were several speeches that Johnson gave where he talked about building bridges to the countries of Eastern Europe. And this was an anti Lyndon Johnson. But it, it's a message today that doesn't immediately jump out at us. So, yeah, that's kind of a deep cut uh, if you have to know those that many things. Although, you know, one of the one of the theories of humor is that humor is funny usually because you supply something that's missing. Um, so there's probably a way in which some of the ones that you just gave the, the person behind your car it has to mentally supply one miss, missing piece or in the case of the periodic table of elements, quite a few missing pieces uh, right. to, to understand what it is. But there's probably a greater sense of reward and delight, more dopamine or something being secreted once you figure all that out. So that also raises the question of why do people put uh, political bumper stickers on their cars? Do they do it for the campaign? Do they do it for themselves? Do they do it to, to evangelize uh, others? Do, do we know much about that? or suppose much about it? 
Um, there's actually a lot of good persuasion theory behind why people put bumper stickers on their car or even wear a button or put a yard sign out. That it's not just that I'm hoping my neighbor will see it or the person behind my car will see it, but it's that if I'm willing to make that public commitment, I'm more likely then to do what the campaign wants me to do, which at the most basic level is vote for that candidate, maybe give money to that candidate. But if you can get me to put a bumper sticker on my car, you can be have greater certainty that I'm actually going to go to the polls and do what you want me to do. Then if somebody else is persuaded by my bumper sticker, that's almost a bonus. Yeah. And, and I do think, and I live rather closely with people who have managed political campaigns, that there's a thought from within the campaigns that, and it kind of goes back to something I said in the preceding segment, that that there's something reassuring uh, about kind of populating the roads with just in the same sense as, as lawn signs. Uh, you know, people don't necessarily get off on lawn signs or love lawn signs, but I've certainly heard it said, well, there aren't as many lawn signs for candidate X as there are for candidate Y. I'm not seeing that many candidate, uh, candidate Y lawn signs. That could be a bad sign. And, and there is a sense that if candidate X has lots of bumper stickers all over the roads, it's a way of people saying, well, it's not a weird idea to support candidate X. Look at how many bumper stickers there are. Right, because they really are, are mobile billboards. Um, you take them everywhere you go and you can take them someplace. And when you park your car, you don't even have to be there for someone to get the message that you want. Um, one of my most favorite more recent bumper stickers was one that Bernie Sanders circulated in 2020, where on the back, on the piece of paper, you're going to peel off to put it on your car or on your laptop computer. Um, there's a statement about why is he producing bumper stickers and that bumper stickers are cheap. You don't have to have big ticket um, donors to buy a bumper sticker. And he actually says, um, it will get, if we get a huge groundswell of support of bumper stickers, we'll be unstoppable. So it goes exactly to the point that you just made. So there's also a way in which, because bumper stickers are somewhat hard to remove, I guess maybe they've gotten a little bit easier. There's ways to make them, not just the magnet ones, but there are ways to make actual stickers a little easier to remove. But they sort of become part of, you know, I don't know, you were saying that, that a, a bumper sticker is a, is a moving billboard, but four years, eight years after the relevant campaign, bumper stickers are also kind of rolling Smithsonian's uh, in the sense that, I mean, I'll give an example from my own life, also in, in the same family I'm talking about. We are all um, related to Bill Curry in some way or another. Uh, Bill Curry has run for governor here in Connecticut twice. And every once in a while, but the last time was in 02, you know, and every once in a while I'll be in a parking lot somewhere and there'll be, you know, a car or a truck with a Curry for governor bumper sticker. And there is... I think some of the feelings are evoked that probably cause people to come to your exhibits, right? A sense of, oh, yeah, that was a certain time. People do love to have that connection of, I recognize that object, that object mattered to me too, I don't have mine anymore. And I think it depends probably a little bit on where you live, um, whether you go ahead and leave that bumper sticker on, because you could vote for a candidate and they might not win the election, but everybody around you voted for that person too. So there's still a sense of community. And then, of course, people, after the fact, produce new bumper stickers that say, don't blame me. I voted for you know, yes. the person who lost. And just slap that on, on over top of their old one 
or next to it. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, all right, that, and those are good, actually. Um, so yeah, I mean, we should just, in the time we have left, talk about the future of all this. I mean, I mentioned earlier, there's some theories that maybe some younger people are likely to use zip cars or Uber or Lyft. You can't put your bumper sticker on that. There are other people probably really see their cars as investments that they don't necessarily want to tart up with bumper stickers. So what are, we, what are you seeing in terms of the reliance by political campaigns and operatives on the bumper sticker? say that when um, when I was out in the field during, say, the primaries of 2020, I, not every headquarters had bumper stickers they were handing out. Um, sometimes now campaigns are less likely to give things away. They want you to be purchasing them or the, the vendor wants you to purchase them. But I think the campaigns that perceived that they were in it for the long haul were all, all had bumper stickers as an option. So I think campaigns are still investing in them. And then as your previous guest said, there are other places you can put them on a laptop. Um, you can put them in the window of your car if you don't want to put them on the body of your car. You can put them on your backpack. And you are seeing people find other creative ways to use them. They're still very, very popular. Maybe not as widespread as, as a button would be, but I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Yeah, and there's no way to know this short of heuristics. But I also feel like in instances where people feel the campaign is historic somehow, uh, they're probably more likely. I mean, how many ways do you have, if you're an average person, to participate in a historic moment? I'm thinking of 08 in particular, where you know Obama's candidacy was so incredibly historic. Uh, I, I think there are probably other ways that alarm me that in 2016, Trump's candidacy was seen as a different kind of historic thing. But you know, if there's such a thing as a routine presidential uh, election, I don't know, Bush versus Kerry <laughs> in 04 or something, uh, I, I, I'm thinking people would be less inclined to go get that bumper sticker because what is it really saying as opposed to say Obama in 08? Well, that's an interesting question and one I'm going to actually go back to our collection and look at because I'm always intrigued with the donation, the offer of a donation that comes to us. Somebody goes through their grandparents' attic and says, oh, I have these things from this election. By definition, a bumper sticker that can be donated to us 40 years after the fact was never put on the car, mm -hmm. um, getting them with the paper still on the back and that kind of thing. So are those sort of less historic elections, are people collecting them as this is something I want to hang on to from the election as opposed to this is something I'm going to go out and put out in public? That's a really good question. All right. Well, to be continued then, Claire Jerry is a curator of political history for the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. Uh, we are all done for the day. Thanks to everybody who helped out on the show. Thanks to you for listening. Yeah.